0: Comedian Michael Jr. is hailed as one of today's most gifted comics, with appearances on The Tonight Show, Oprah, CNN, and more. His clean yet fresh approach of using everyday life occurrences creates a hilarious interaction with the audience that is unscripted and unplanned. Michael Jr. will be bringing the funny at Emanuel in Spring Lake Park, Minnesota, on Sunday, May 21st at 5 p.m. For tickets, visit michaeljr.com.
1: So welcome Maple Grove, Elk River, Spring Lake Park. Uh, We're so glad that you're all here. And today is Mother's Day. And Mother's Day can be such a great day for so many moms. Some of you, this is your first Mother's Day, or like Audrey said earlier, it's her second Mother's Day, and she feels like she really earned this. And for others of you, today can be a really difficult day. You may have suffered a miscarriage or have disappointments in your life. Uh, Maybe your kids are away from the Lord, or maybe you never had kids. Maybe you've lost a mother. There's so many different things that can make a day like today difficult. But no matter where you're at in life, we can all come together as men and women of God and celebrate and know that this is a day that the Lord hath made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. So happy Mother's Day to you all. And donde están mis amigas que hablan español? Feliz día de la madre. So, I just wanted to throw a couple pictures up of my family. And like Nate said, we have four boys. And I had people come to me and just go, You know, don't you wish you had a daughter? And I really feel like God gives you what you need. And there's a whole story behind even what you want on that. And so, uh, these are my boys. So, they're a lot older now. We can throw the other picture up. Back then they were taller than me and now, are shorter than me, and now they are taller than me. I often wonder what it would be like to be taller than your mother, because that never happened for me. So just like those pictures flashed that quick, that's how time flies. And when you have little kids, they don't always stay little. And it's, having kids, it's a season, it's in a short season. So as I prayed about Mother's Day, I asked the Lord, what did he want me to share with you all today? And I felt like the Lord wanted me to share that where you're at in life right now with the relationships you have is significant in his eyes. So many times in our world, it feels like everybody wants to be famous. And what is it with being famous? So whether it's like fame in the world's eyes or significant to other people, we want to be recognized and noticed for what we do. Think about social media. Think about Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. We've got YouTube. How many friends, followers, or likes do you have? If you have a YouTube channel, how many people are following your channel? In 2012, there was a study that said the desire for fame solely for the sake of being famous was the most popular future goal of 10 to 12-year-olds. Now, that overshadows financial success, achievement, and a sense of community. So did you catch that? Like when we were kids, just being popular in school, that was pressure enough. And now kids have to be popular online. And studies have shown the reason they think that they have to be popular online is not just for the sake of it, they really feel like that is their ticket to success. Now, I don't know about you, but my kids worked really, really, really hard in sports. And we told them, if you work really hard in sports, that you'll get rewarded. And they worked really hard and they did really good, but they had time on the bench. And so this generation has grown up going, gosh, hard work doesn't really work. I need to get famous. They're watching guys who learn how to play online video games and start streaming make $16 million. So they're like, if I can just strike the fame thing, everything will work out for me. Well, sometimes being a mom can feel really awesome, and other days it doesn't feel so awesome. Some days you're on top of the world, and the other days you're tired of changing dirty diapers. And you wonder, all this mundane, all this time, am I making a difference? Will this really matter? Will it really benefit the kids in the end? So the goal of being a mom today isn't too popular. You don't hear a lot of people dreaming anymore that they want to be a mom. It's kind of become like a side dish on a main plate. And how many of you know that are moms that being a mom is really the main dish and everything else becomes a side dish? Well, what did the Bible say about this? Jesus did not come to the world to be famous. He didn't come to the world to be popular. When the crowds tried to make him king, he slipped away. He said things like the greatest among you is a servant and the first will be the last. He told us not to seek places of honor. The Bible says in Luke 14, 11, For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Mark 10:45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Philippians 2, 3 says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but, all, but take an interest in others too. Wow, does that sound like our society today? Not really. So can we live our life in obscurity and make an impact? Can we be successful even if nobody were to ever notice? Would it make a difference? Matthew 6, 1 says, Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly, to be admired by others, for you will, relo- you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven." Verse 4, give your gifts in private and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Did you catch that? God who sees everything will reward you. The title of my message today is Hidden Figures. I don't know how many of you have seen the movie Hidden Figures. Uh, It has grossed about $187 million so far. It's based on a true story of a New York best time seller of book called Hidden Figures, and it's about three African-American women who really made history and did not get any recognition, and their names are um, Katherine Johnson, Dorothy Vaughn, and Mary Jackson, and they all served in NASA, and they were the brains behind the launch of John Glenn into orbit, the famous astronaut. So this was a stunning achievement. It galvanized the world. It helped America gain confidence in the space race. And this all happened at a time where African-Americans were really having some social injustices, and it was a time of oppression and the civil rights. But yet, these ladies did the right thing, not because they were trying to be famous, because they were doing the right thing for the sake of doing the right thing. And that's kind of gotten lost in today's world. So, these ladies did not get recognized until about 60 years later, when NASA recognized Johnson and named a building after her. She was 98 years old at the time. So, did she make a difference? Yes. Did she live most of her life not knowing she made a difference? Yes. Well, today, I want to talk about Moses, and he's kind of like an astronaut in the Bible. He's one of the most popular Bible figures of all time. He dominates the Old Testament. He's mentioned in the New Testament. And yet he, too, was from an oppressed people group. He was God's instrument for the introduction of the covenant law in Israel. He functioned as a prophet, a judge, a recorder of God's pronouncements. He was an intercessor, a military leader, a worker of miracles, the shepherd of the Israelites. He was one of the greatest of all time. So how many of you have heard about Moses? See, we've all heard about Moses. But I wanna focus around the story of Moses' birth. Did you know that there were women who saved Moses' life? Women who raised him and educated him and thus changed history? Like the women in the movie The Hidden Figures, they're largely unknown. How many of you have heard messages about Jacobed, Miriam? How about Pharaoh's daughter? not really. Yet these women made a profound difference. If there were no hidden figures in Moses' story, there would be no Moses. No burning bush, no parting of the Red Sea, no Ten Commandments, no promised land. Sure, God could have figured out another way, but he chose to use women to save Moses' life. So many times we can get caught up in men and women and who, whose role is more important, but really, we need each other. Exodus 1 tells us about the time when Moses was born. What, what kind of environment was he born into? So there were circumstances such as uh, Joseph, Joseph in the coat of Many Colors, if you've heard that Bible, famous Bible story. Well, he helped save the Israelites from famine, and he had become a prince of Egypt, he was in Egypt, and he was able to bring his whole family into Egypt and save their lives. Well, after decades and decades of centuries, his family grew and grew to hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands, and some even say it could be in the millions. Well, a while later, a new king came into office, and he did not know what had happened, he did not know that Joseph helped save Israel, he didn't know anything. he began to get really insecure and started thinking, okay, these Egyptians are so many. There's so many of them. They're going to overpower us. They're going to take over. And if war breaks out, they're going to turn against us. So we need to do something about the Israelites. And so he got, got, put them enslaved. He enslaved them, and he put taskmasters over them. And the Bible says that he made their lives bitter. He made them work hard. He drove them hard. And it was really, really tough but God was still with them and they continued to grow and they continued to prosper. So then this king got another idea and he said, kill all the Hebrew male babies at birth, but let the girls live. I just thought that was interesting. Kill all the boys and let the girls live. And the midwives feared the Lord and they didn't do that. So the king was upset and he wondered, why aren't you doing that? And they came up with an excuse and God bless those midwives. Then the king made a new decree, and this is where we're going to pick up the story in Exodus 1.22. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all the people, throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. Now, as a mom of boys, I'm like, what? Throw all the boys into the river and let the girls live? But I just think it's really funny that Pharaoh thought the deliverance would come from the boys, and really, the girls were the ones who ended up saving the boys. And he, his plan was completely thwarted. So as a woman, you can mess with my home, you can mess with my work, you can mess with my life, and I will still figure out a way to come out and prosper. But when you mess with my kids, you're going to evoke something new in every woman, and we're going to rise up and do something about it. Amen? Yeah. This is a circumstance into which Moses is born. So turn with me uh, to Exodus 2, 1 through 10. This is going to be the main text for today. About this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. And some commentaries actually say that his face was glowing and you could see the presence of God on him. But when she could no longer hide him, she got up got a basket, made of pepperous reeds, and waterproofed it with tar and pitch, she put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance, watching to see what would happen to him. Soon, Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to go get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. Now, there were five women, at least in this story, plus Moses. We got the baby's mother, who is also called the Hebrew woman, the baby's sister, Pharaoh's daughter, which is also referred to as a princess, and the attendants, which were also called maids. Yet none of these women's names were mentioned in this passage. These ladies were the hidden figures in Moses' life. So today I wanna share with you three lessons from the hidden figures in this story. Number one, biblical success doesn't mean fame or recognition. So talk about obscurity. What they did was so significant that it's mentioned in the Bible, and yet their names weren't even mentioned. God's ways are so different and higher than our ways. Just like some of the scriptures I read at the beginning, just because we're not recognized does not mean we're not important in God's sight. The next thing is we are a part of a bigger plan. God's plan involves many people. God did not just use one woman in isolation. She couldn't just say, hey, I get credit, I saved Moses, I did it. He used them in their everyday life and it all worked together for the greater plan. The plan did not depend or did depend on others doing their work like the midwives the baby's mother the sisters the servants we can all make a significant difference from where we are right now in our everyday lives whether it's nursing an infant teaching a preschooler being a big sister being a medical professional being a grandma an educator a politician a dad a brother, an uncle, whatever we are right now, we can be successful. We have everything we need when we're working together. The last thing, the third thing was see the value in the next generation and do something. So there's a difference between seeing and seeing. So how many of you know like when you get a car and you think it's like so original? And my son just got, uh, bought a Honda Element. And to be honest, I've never even seen or hardly even heard of a Honda Element until he got one. And now I see them everywhere. They're in parking lots, they're driving down the road. And so when we start seeing something or experiencing it, we have a greater awareness of it. Christine Kane preached a message once where she said that she would be in the subway systems and she would see those, you know, missing and exploited children posters. And she you know, she saw it. And then when she had a child of her own, she began to see it because she could picture her child being on that poster and how would she feel if her daughter were missing. And her A21 ministry was birthed out of that. So there's a difference between seeing with our eyes and really seeing with our hearts. And these women saw Moses' predicament with their hearts and they did something about it. The baby's mother, she saw and did something. Exodus 2, 2 says she saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket of, made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch, and she put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds. She did everything in her power to save that little baby. She did everything she could. And when she could hide him no longer, and there's a thought that there's, uh, the government probably came in and found him, and so she knew she couldn't hide him any longer, she, by faith, made a basket. And that basket was like the ark. It was like saying, God, I'm going to take my baby and I'm going to put it in the basket and I'm going to see what you can do. I've done everything I can now. And so by faith, she set the baby in the basket and just had her daughter watch from a distance. The next thing is the baby's sister saw and did something. Verse 4 says the baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen. Verse 7, then the baby sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Now this sister, sometimes when you have a big sister and then another baby's born, there's some jealousy or whatnot. But this girl was witty and wise. And she obeyed her mom's command and she stood and watched the baby from a distance. But if she stayed at a distance, she would have never made a difference in this story. She had to come near and take a step of faith and talk to the princess and get some action going. Do you know that children and teens are needed in the kingdom and they can make a difference too? Now the next person was the princess. She saw and did something. Verse 5 says, When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to go get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Verse nine, "'Take this baby and nurse him for me,' "'the princess told the baby's mother. "'I will pay you for your help.' "'So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. "'Later, when the boy was older, "'his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, "'who adopted him as her own son. "'The princess named him Moses, for she explained, "'I lifted him out of the water.'" The princess used her resources. She used her servants, she used her money, she used her palace, she used her position to do something for Moses. We will know that we see with our hearts when we actually do something to help. Let's go back to the movie, The Hidden Figures. In this movie, the women were not acknowledged for their contribution in the public eyes. But at the end of the movie, the screen scrolls and we see what happens to them. Like I said earlier, one of the ladies had a building named after her. So remember the scripture I mentioned at the beginning? Matthew 6:4. God sees Everything and he will reward you. As the old saying goes, everything will be okay in the end. If it's, not, if it's not okay, it's not the end. So what happened to the characters in these stories? Well, the midwives, they uh, feared God, and God gave them families of their own. The baby Moses, he did prove to be a special child. He led the Israelites out of Egypt. He saw the sea part. He saw the Ten Commandments. The Bible talks how he talked with God face to face. He he established a nation, and it was just a great accomplishment. And the baby's mother, she had to have faith to have that baby Moses. And she nursed him, and she taught him, and she brought him back to the palace when he was between three and five years old. While he was a preschooler, she took the time to teach him the ways of God in the ways of the Bible. He knew who he was when he went back to the palace. So think about the faith and the courage that she had. The Bible says later that her name is Jacobed. We know that she had three children, Aaron, Moses, and Miriam, who were all leaders and all godly people. I just think, wow, what a woman she was to spend those infant and preschool years really pouring into her kids. Don't underestimate the time with your kids. Teach them God's word. The Bible says if we train up a child in the way they should go, when they're old, they will not depart from it. And the baby's sister, well, she was 12 years old at the time, and she was a quick thinker, and she didn't stand in the Nile River trying to be famous someday or try to get a position or a spot for herself, but God blessed her later in her years. We find that her name was Miriam, and Micah 6.4 says this, I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. So God raised her up to be a leader later in life. Miriam was a prophetess, a worshiper, a leader. Exodus 15:20 talks about the song that she led the whole Israel uh, worship in. Later in life, she spoke out against her brother and she got a little bit jealous and maybe tried to make a name for herself and she brought judgment on herself. She got leprosy, and leprosy would actually lead to death. It would cause her to be separated from all the people. It would really destroy any dream she would have of being famous. And her brother Moses prayed for her, and she got healed. Pharaoh's daughter, Princess, well, she got to be an adopted mom. She got a chance to raise up Moses and see him become quite a man of God. And Pharaoh, his evil plot against the boys turned around, and God used women to thwart all of his evil plans so when we chase our dreams, or fame, for recognition's sake, we're doing it for ourselves. The word fame ends with me. We cannot accomplish what God wants for us when we're chasing things for ourselves. We have to be God-motivated, not people-motivated. Matthew 16, verse 24 says, when Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. What, what does it benefit you if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? Is there worth anything more than your own soul? And when I was a young pastor's wife, I remember people would come up to me, and I remember this one youth leader in particular, and she said, I don't want to be like you. And I'm like, oh, thanks as i 'm pushing double strollers and working in the background and whatever, it didn 't seem so glamorous to do that and uh, a few years later, God got a hold of her, and she came back to me. she goes, "Now I get why you were the way you were and there were times in ministry too that I remember we had the evangelist Carlos and in here, and people were getting prayed for and everything and i 'm just like every time I saw My husband, Nate, he was like laid out in spirit and they're being called out and prayed over and prophesied out over. It's like, God, what about me? And I remember at one point coming to the altars and they were praying for people and they literally would reach around me and pray for the person behind me. I'm like, okay, Lord, do you see me? And God said, Jody, I want you to feel what everybody else feels. And just because man does not see us doesn't mean God doesn't see us. God sees it all. And to tie up this message, I wanna share a story about John Carlos and Gabby Velez. They are the worship leaders here at Spring Lake Park. And several, like back in October or September or sometime this fall, you might have noticed that they were gone for four weeks. And they had an amazing opportunity to be on The Voice. And as they got in and, and competed and everything, they began to count the cost about the next generation. So watch this brief story.
2: My name is john Carlos Velez
3: and I'm Gabriella Velez and we've been married for almost five years and we have a two-year-old daughter Eliana. We met when we were about 12 years old.
2: Well, I remember the first time I met her she was singing in our youth group and I was just like just like kind of starstruck I guess.
3: We started singing together right I mean within the first year that we met and we had talked about. From the beginning, we started writing songs together and leading worship together at
2: different youth camps and throughout North Central, traveling together for worship live. We knew that God was putting something in us. So we started doing these videos uh, on YouTube just for fun.
3: And we got a call or an email from the voice. And you know, it was asking, hey, do you wanna come in for a private audition? you know, we, heard, we saw your video and we just want to know if you're interested. So I said, okay, yeah, we'll do it. And they said, you can, we want you to do it as a duo. So we said, okay, great. So we got all our stuff together and we ended up going and do this private audition.
2: Little by little, God started opening up more doors. We kept going past round yep. to round in LA. And the day came when we got the call to start uh, the preparations for filming for the blind auditions. And the biggest thing for us was, we want to do this. God, we feel like you've opened up the door. They kept asking us, so what are you going to do with your daughter? And they were telling us we were the first husband-wife duo with a kid Mm -hmm. to ever go this far. Mm
3: You're there for up to four weeks initially and then if you keep moving on, it's just it's more months and more months. They knew we had a daughter and they were like, whatever we have to do, you like we want you to come and we'll help you through it. And so we're there and all we're we're caring about is that we have a one and a half year old at home and we're over here, you know, pursuing our dreams, but at what cost?
2: They told <coughs> us, they said, hey, it'll be a week, and we get there, they were saying, hey, it's gonna be a little bit longer than a week. So it ended up being a total I think of 19 days.
3: Yeah, about 3 weeks. About 3 weeks where we didn't have her. I remember they I mean we had many meetings with uh, with people about her and you know trying to work it out and I remember sitting in a meeting and you know he said, you know, you're not going to be able to have your daughter here. And I feel like the like the mama bear in me came out and I was like, "No. I can't. I can't do that. Like she has she has to be with me. I can't." You know, I, it's not. Yeah. And I looked at him, I said, if I would have known that it was going to be like this, I wouldn't have come. And I kind of knew in that moment, like, well, they could send us home.
2: Well, we had to make a decision. We had to make a decision mm-hmm. at the time. It felt like, hey, do you want to continue to go on? We'll accommodate you as much as possible. But at the cost of being able to parent, we were thinking, she's only a year and a half. It was a big sacrifice, and to us, the opportunity that was being presented did not outweigh the responsibility, I would say, of, of, our, family. of our family.
3: Yeah, so a few days later, we um, we ended up going home, and it was a day before we were going to do our actual blind audition. The voice, you know, is still going on, and we don't know how far we would have gone, but. I think about all the things that Eliana has done since then. You know, it's it's been a while. She's now two years old. You know, <laughs> she had her second birthday. She, she's talking in sentences. She's you know just coming into her own, and her personality is shining shining through and even more. And she's such a special kid to us. And uh, he's gonna start crying. <laughs> <laughs> That's my she's, princess. <laughs> she's she's just something else. And to think of us missing any moment, any moment of that, I just, I can't even, I can't even imagine.
2: I think coming back home, seeing my wife be the incredible mom that she is to our two-year-old daughter, just being intentional when we're home, we're home.
3: We found out that we're pregnant with our second child and it's a baby girl, we just found out. So, I mean, God is just, he's so good and I just am so thankful for everything that he's blessed us with and everything that we've gone through and that he's led us through and that we've had to trust in him through everything and just he's been faithful. He just has.
1: He knows our name. He knows your name. And God is not done with you, John, Carlos and Gabby. This is not the end of your story. Praise the Lord. God sees and he rewards us. Pastor Dwight used to say, life is best lived forward and understood backwards. In the end, it all makes sense. And right now, it it doesn't always make sense. And having kids is just a season. It's such a short season. And sometimes when we're in the middle of it, it feels like it will never end. But the biblical success doesn't mean we'll be famous or recognized. And we are a part of a bigger plan. We need to see the value in the next generation and do something about it. In the end, God sees, and He rewards us.
0: Comedian Michael Jr. is hailed as one of today's most gifted comics, with appearances on The Tonight Show, Oprah, CNN, and more. His clean yet fresh approach of using everyday life occurrences creates a hilarious interaction with the audience that is unscripted and unplanned. Michael Jr. will be bringing the funny at Emanuel in Spring Lake Park, Minnesota on Sunday, May 21st at 5 p.m. For tickets, visit michaeljr.com.